Hey everybody, welcome back to From the Front Row. We're so glad you've tuned in to this week's episode featuring the neighborhood centers of Johnson County, or as you'll hear them referred to for a lot of the episode as NCJC. NCJC is a community-based, family-centered human services agency that's been serving Johnson County, Iowa since 1973. Yeah, 50 years which is also why we're doing this episode this week because it is their 50 year anniversary celebration this weekend, which you'll hear more about later on in this episode. NCJC operates two community centers in Iowa City and provides outreach and programming to an additional five targeted neighborhoods and a dozen schools. Their programs and activities reach over 400 children and youth and 200 adults each day. Now we have three individuals that are talking on this podcast today about NCJC, Bea, Chastity, and Rikishia, and they'll introduce themselves once the podcast gets underway. But I really enjoyed editing this episode. You can definitely hear their passion come through, and to me there's nothing more inspiring than people passionate about their jobs and serving their community. And I think one thing that I'm taking away from this, and I hope that you as listeners can listen for is NCJC's desire to make true and authentic community within neighborhoods in Johnson County. And another point that they made that I actually even wrote down is that their goal is to make sure the people that they're helping feel like they're the important ones and to teach them to support themselves so that NCJC really isn't needed anymore. I hope you find this episode as enjoyable and uplifting as I did. And if you want to get involved with NCJC, we'll talk about that a little bit more at the end. Now on to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you guys on the show. If you guys could introduce yourselves and kind of tell us a little bit about what you do at NCJC, what it is, what the acronym stands for, and maybe what your title is. We can start with Bea. Hello, so I am Bea Arigando. I am the Volunteer and Community Engagement Specialist here at NCJC. I am new to this role, so uh, my job kind of consists of a lot of community engagement, a lot of different trying to let the community know about our different resources and opportunities that we have, but also a big part of my job is volunteers. So I do everything volunteers. I kind of... set up the different volunteers, I set up the different opportunities, let people know of the opportunities. And yeah, and uh, so we all work for the neighborhood centers. It's the neighborhood centers of Johnson County. We kind of uh, acronym that as NCJC. Awesome. Um, thank you again for having us on this. Uh, my name is Chastity Dillard and I'm the Development and Communications Director for Neighborhood Centers. Um, I've been a part of Neighbor Centers for uh, nine years, and my job consists of fundraising uh, and communication, brand management, just really getting the word out to the community about who we are, um, and really uh, bringing in all the dollars to to support our agency as well. And again, just a piggyback off what she said, thank you for having us. Um, my name is Rakeisha Harrington. I am the Associate Director here. Um, I also um, on-site HR manager as well. Um, I have been at neighborhood centers or affiliated with neighborhood centers for quite a while. Um, however, I've been in this role for just a little over a year. Well, awesome. Thank you, guys. It looks like we have a variety of uh, positions here, which is great. So I'm excited to hear about your guys' different 
takes on the different aspects of NCJs. So just to get started, to any one of our listeners who has not heard of NCJC, what is it, what is it about or how would you describe? Who wants to go first? <laughs> okay, well, I'll give like the, the technical version, but I'm sure you'd love to hear our experiences. But so Neighborhood Centers has been around since 1973 because we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. And we work with families and youth throughout Johnson County, uh, predominantly in low-income neighborhoods. We help a huge amount of immigrant and refugee families. We love to say that we serve new islands, whether they're American-born, but they're from surrounding metropolis, uh, metropolitan cities, or they're from abroad and then they've just made their new home here. We focus on giving our families and youths the tools and resources they need to be most successful so they can navigate this new community. We focus in four main areas, early childhood education, youth programs, family support, and community engagement. And we really just work to bring the whole family together and just connect them with so many people in this community. So that's our overview. That's amazing. Thank you so much. If you guys could talk about maybe the aspects that you kind of interact with most of NCJC. I would love to hear what that looks like on a more detailed or uh, day-to-day basis. So as I mentioned, I'm the volunteer and community engagement specialist, but I started actually at the neighborhood centers about two years ago as their language liaison. So I really love, I feel like I've been blessed to have been able to be part of the like more hands-on and then now also being in administration, making decisions, trying to help the kids and the families. But when I first started, if I'm being honest, I never thought that I'd be somebody that would work with kids. And now I don't want to not work with kids or work to help kids and these families. It's just what we do. We're genuinely helping these people. And you're a big person in somebody's life, even if it is that I was just working in the after school program and I was with them for about four hours every day. But I took that serious. These kids need to learn respect, need to learn different social skills, need to learn a lot of different things. And I tried to do that, even if it was just their after school program. It, they were learning things through the fun, even though they didn't realize they were learning things. We would still try to do that. And it's kind of nice that we We have all these different aspects of our programs. We have after school programs. We have early childhood programs. We have youth programs. We have the bicycle club that we have that we do over the summer that Amy has been an amazing (laughs) volunteer for us. And we have a lot of different events that we put on. Like we have our big 50th anniversary event coming up soon on September 23rd. So I really hope that anybody hearing this can make it on September 23rd at Mercy Park from 1 to 5 p.m. Or if you would want to volunteer and be give back to your community, then let me know, Bayari Dondo. I could put my information out somewhere. So you guys can definitely uh, let me know if you want to are interested in helping out in the community. It's going to be really fun. We're kind of trying to showcase the different variety of cultures that we have within our families, like within our programs, but also within the people that work here at NCJC too. We're very diverse and there's going to be a lot of good food, lots of good activities. There's going to be good performances, so you guys will not want to miss it. Yes, that's awesome. I will be there, actually, and so mm-hmm. I'm excited, and I'm looking forward to that. And that's a great segue into our next question. Because the 50th year anniversary is approaching, I know we kind of touched on this earlier, um, but could you give 
maybe a brief background on how NCJC started. When did it start? How did it start? What were the causes that it was really, you know, invested in in its infancy and then throughout the decades? Yeah, that's a great question. So NCJC, I said, uh, I think earlier started in 1973, but it, it, it started as a grassroots or neighborhood level like efforts where families and community members came together because they were concerned about some of the issues that were going on in secluded areas. It started on the west side of Iowa City. Now it's considered or called the Pleasant Ridge neighborhood or Pleasant Ridge apartments. But back then it was a Mark IV apartments. And at that time, in the 70s, it was very cut off from the rest of the Iowa City community, which was still growing. So they didn't have the resources that they needed to, sur- to survive. And so when kids don't have anything to do, they go out and they might vandalize a little bit or they just, you know, entertain themselves. And families were just really concerned on how can we um, give our kids what they needed. So they contracted and um, connected with the School of Social Work at the University of Iowa and the management staff of the apartment complex. And they were able to secure a three-bedroom apartment where they began doing after-school programs and drop-in programs in that building to just give kids a safe place to be, which is so important, um, and some guided instruction and just um, offer their supports in that way. And because of that, the Neighborhood Centers was was built um, and created. And we stayed in that um, three-bedroom apartment on that side of town until the late 90s. But we also, um, during the late 80s, saw a need in other areas of the community. So we went over to the Broadway neighborhood, um, part of, um, of Iowa City. And we actually built our first building over there, um, beginning in 89, um, and completing in the nineties and did the same work for the same kind of community in that area. And then, as I said earlier, we have a huge, um, connection to immigrant and refugee families in the early seventies and throughout the eighties. I will NCJC was home and welcomed a lot of our. Asian American or Asian immigrants um, during that time. And then the 90s, we had an insurge of Latino families that showed up. And late 90s, a lot of more African, uh, specifically Sudanese refugees and the Silees came. When we get into the 2000s, and maybe Rakesha has uh, a story to tell, we started to see more and more, I mean, different types of families come in, whether it's, again, American families, specifically African-American, Black American families coming from Chicago, Detroit, Minneapolis, Kansas City to like the late 2010s or we had more Congolese families. We always want to make sure that we have our doors open for anyone that's in here. And we really focus on preventative care of just giving, again, the families the tools they need to be most successful and that they don't have to. It's, we don't want to be crisis focused. We want to make sure that we're, any um, service we're providing is an answer immediate answer versus waiting until something tragic has happened and trying to fix it in the aftermath. So am I missing anything? No, you covered it. Okay. Yeah, wow. It's incredible to hear about both the diverse cultures that are present in the neighborhood, neighborhoods that you guys serve, but also how it's changed over time and how you, how NCJC has adapted to different needs over time. I think it's noteworthy that it has uh, been serving, you know, the Iowa City community for 50 years and continues to, which shows that there is this need that is being met there. It's really cool that you guys play such an integral role in new Iowans' lives, as you mentioned before. 
Thank um, you. I think another thing to mention is that we, right now, every single day, we help about 400 to 500 kids. And that's just children. And we have from programs from infancy all the way up to programs for adults. And I think that's just amazing. That's every single day, 400 to 500 kids. And we're still growing and expanding. That's great. And that kind of leads into the next question. This is great. So um, my next question is kind of about how, what makes NCJC unique in its role in Iowa City? You touched on how you serve families of across their entire lifespan, essentially, from like very early childhood all the way up to adulthood. And I think that's something that's probably pretty unique to what NCJC does. But if you guys... Yeah, I want to elaborate on that or add anything? So I can share my own personal story um, as a prime example of how a neighborhood center is encompasses the whole entire family. So when I was first introduced to neighborhood centers, I was a young mother just freshly moved to the area. And I was introduced to neighborhood centers by enrolling my daughter into after school program in which I also, being a university student, I was awarded work study. So I also was able to have employment here as well. So as my family grew, as I became more self-sufficient in the community as well, I also lived in the Pheasant Ridge neighborhood. So again, being surrounded by diverse backgrounds, my neighbors became my family. We learned a lot culturally about different people and you know that was truly a a new introduction you know a a great difference from where I grew up at and where my daughter and I um, had come from and then being here at the university so we had all of that we had all the supports everything and so I eventually worked my way up um, not only from work study but working in different roles through work study, like in the after school program, some of our pilot programs we had um, off-site. Um, I was able to work in our early childhood um, room as well. I eventually became a parent support worker too. So, you know, I, again, as my family is growing, I'm also giving back to the people who are moving here. So my personal experience was also able to be shared and to be motivation to people who are also trying to just be more self-sufficient and understanding all the resources and programs and, you know, many different ways that myself and my family could be involved. Um, I actually had three, well, all three of my children uh, were able to come to uh, neighborhood centers from uh, the infant room all the way up to the after-school program. And even some of our programs, such as G World and other uh, program guest program, all of those things, um, they were able to participate in as well. Um, and then when it come, came to community events, being able to, you know, the grassroots and seeing what the problems were and figuring out solutions to help get through whatever those situations were. So. I, as much, am a beneficiary of those programs and services as anyone else. So when it comes to our staff, when it comes to the families that come to the door, anybody that comes to the door, it's definitely understanding. And you have a different kind of compassion for them because, you know, you too are experiencing that. And that's what I love so much about neighborhood centers 
it represents the true essence of the community. Um, you get so many diverse people coming in, so many different languages, so much culture every single day. And leadership, your leadership staff is, um, your leadership team is very diverse as well and represents the population that serves. So there's an opportunity for everyone to advance and to grow and to develop skills and to share ideas and um, be celebrated every single day um, for just everything that goes on in the community. And so it really helps. And and we have young people, you know, that have grown up in our program that also come back and they're staff. They're employed here and they're doing the same thing, giving back and, you know, bringing other people to the community um, events and to the neighborhoods to see what more can be done. So, I mean, we always say it's full circle and it truly has been for me to now be the associate director and to see it in a whole nother light. I'm starting a work study all the way to being one of the leaders and the people who give the vision and direction and just make sure the day-to-day things are going well. So, as you can see, <laughs> that's just one of the examples. And there's so many more stories very similar to mine of people being successful with the supports from neighborhood center staff and just the community as a whole. Thanks for sharing. It's great that you have witnessed yourself firsthand, like the impact on your life. And then you get to watch even more of the generational impact continue on throughout the years. I'm also interested in Bea and Chastity, if you have any other uh, thoughts on that as well. Well, finally, honest, I feel like, so like I said, I started in a position, I was just after school program language liaison. And then easily, I ended up being, uh, within a couple months, I ended up being the lead for Mark Twain Elementary after school program, as well as the language liaison. And now I've moved up to administration being the volunteer and community engagement specialist. So it really does show the growth and how much opportunity and how much there you can really like do what you're meant to do, one, but also how much NCJC really just helps you be the best person you can be and gives you those opportunities to be able to do what you are meant to do, right? And I think that's just beautiful and seeing all the different, hearing of all the different stories of people being here for 14, 15, 20, 30 years. It's just amazing. And honestly, I told, I told our executive director and everybody here all the time, I'm going to, I'm going to, I was going to say, I'm going to graduate here. No, I'm going to retire here. I'm going to retire. So yeah, it's a good place to work at for sure. Yeah, I would add that one of the things that amazes me about the neighborhood center is, is just how uh, deeply connected we are to the community, how uh, much hope that neighborhood centers uh, can bring to people. Um, I'm really amazed we have a team um, of our family support uh, workers, and um, they're very unique because they all, each five or six of them, five of them, they identify with the cultures and the languages of the people that they serve. So collectively, they're speaking seven languages, and that's Arabic, Spanish, Portuguese, French, Lingala, and Swahili. And if we're getting another one, I think it's English or, or something else. <laughs> we're all speaking English now. <laughs> that's amazing. 
And a lot of our families value it so much because to be able to walk in this community without someone supporting you is just so difficult. And I say that as a person who is from America and and is used to and accustomed to this culture. So that really stands out to me. I mean, Rikisha already said the fact that we also, we serve people and then we empower them to also walk along with us and serve themselves and other people in the same way where, uh, we're not an agency where we just go in and we are um, making ourselves super important. We make sure that the people that we're touching are the important ones mm-hmm. and so that they can go out in the community and continue to be that important. So we're, we don't want to be um, needed forever. We want uh, them to be able to, to build their own supports and go out and just, you know, you know give back as well. Here, being that um, yeah. you can do it too. Like, yeah, for sure. We really like embrace the talents, just the just the energy that people bring in. So like Bea had mentioned, we do like vibe programming. That's not like our main focus, but we know that that's a very important skill to have um, and that a lot of people may not have access to a bike. So we partner with the bike library and other biking you know, businesses to provide that opportunity for young people in our community to be able to have access to a bike and a lot. And, you know, we focus on um, health and wellness. We have a a garden out here. We have art projects. We have all of those things where it's in their neighborhood as well and it's within walking distance. And surprisingly, a number of our activities are free. Or no cost, we're partnering with other nonprofits or, you know, municipalities to ensure that people have access. We try to eliminate as many barriers as well, um, but also not try to enable people, but empower them. So eliminating those barriers, if it's childcare or if it's transportation, oftentimes we are offering that so people can come in and learn a craft, learn get further education or things such as that. Um, so we're always trying to find ways. We are heavily grant funded um, with a lot of things, but we're working on ways to just be able to partner with other organizations as well so that um, people have the ability to participate and not feel like, oh, just because I come from a low-income environment that I can't participate in that so we do all that we can to make sure people have access to a number of things another thing too like how you said we have the bike club another thing that our summer programs offer is swimming lessons a lot of kids might not be able to have the chance to go and have their swimming lessons for multiple different reasons so the fact that we're able to provide that and now a lot of kids are learning how to swim and they feel comfortable and they're confident in swimming so I think that's really amazing too. A lot of different opportunities from somebody that grew up very broke, me seeing the stuff that the kids are able to do because we partner with other organizations or because of the grants and the different funding that we're able to do or get, um, they go to these amazing places, even hours away, these awesome museums, these IMAX theaters, they go to Fun City, they go to zoos, they go to a lot of different stuff that Honestly, I never had the chance to do as a kid. And maybe some of those kids also their parents would never be able to take them. So the fact that they're getting the opportunity, like it's amazing and they're learning so much too. So that exposure and possibility and 
enrichment activities are like very, very important for us to ensure that kids have, or mainly kids, but even their parents sometimes have the opportunity to participate as well. And we know, like, as a parent, and as Ben said, that sometimes, you know, it's just not in our reach to be able to take our kids to certain places or we're not knowledgeable in that. So to know that your child is surrounded by adults who are supervising them and ensuring that they're able to go, you don't have to worry about transportation, but you get to live vicariously through your child for them to come back and tell you about their experience is amazing. And we are so thrilled that we have the opportunity to do that. And as Bev mentioned, every day that we're reaching at least 400 kids, easy. (laughs) You know, like they're enrolled in top-tier, high-quality programming every day. You know, we have some of the highest ratings in the state of Iowa, knowing that we serve, you know, this diverse population is something to celebrate and again this 50 fest is just that it's the tip of the iceberg to definitely share we've done a lot and we're right here in the community and some people may not know about us but we're trying to make sure everybody knows about us and maybe we can help you too even if you don't think that you fall into any of the categories that we said that we hope Maybe we can, like we, like, like even Chastity mentioned, we try to keep our doors open and there's so many different things that, like I, I, like I just said, you might think that we can't help you, but you never know. Or you can help us. Or you can can bring your skills that into our center and help. I mean, we have kids that are musically talented and they want to take music lessons and so forth. So there's plenty of opportunities to connect and to provide you know programming ideas and and we're all for it if if we can provide the space or whatever it is we definitely are willing to do that yeah for sure i think i think it's like very touching or very moving to hear about how connected and or interwoven your community is especially like also as a person of color who grew up in predominantly white iowa it's like it can be very isolating and so all the programming that you're putting on, it feels very much you're doing life together. Like it's a family, like it's, it's very like intimate. And you have like a strong network and a, a foundation. So that's really awesome to hear. And that you guys touched on a lot of the new, new events that you guys are putting on as late, but are there any last plugs on upcoming events and or maybe more details on the 50th anniversary celebration? So we have, like I said, that 50th anniversary celebration. You will not want to miss it. We have eight different performances showcasing the cultures that we have within our programs and within our staff. We It's going to be from one to five. Lots of fun. Lots of good food. Uh, we also have our, our at Mercer Park. Sorry, at Mercer Park. Free entry. You don't have to pay anything at all. You just come and there will be different like samples of different stuff that you can try for food, but there's going to be stuff that you could purchase as well. And you won't want to, you won't want to miss out on that because there's going to be a lot of good different stuff. And we also have our Hollow Ridge event coming up, not to take away any importance for this event, but I know the University of Iowa, they really help us with that. They partner with, we partner with the athletic department and they come and they put on a haunted house. Our, entire pheasant ridge uh center our entire upstairs turns into a haunted house 
And it's the kids absolutely love it. Like we have kids lined up at the door, like a long, huge line. And um, it's really amazing to be able to put that on for the community and uh, scare the kids a little bit. You know, we have a lights on option for kids uh, for about an hour and a half. And then we have a lights off option for the older kids and for whoever else thinks that they can really pull through with it. So, yeah, that'll be really fun. That one's going to be on October 14th from 430 to 630. And we could definitely use volunteers for that. So for all of these events. Okay. (laughs) So let us know. (laughs) Well, awesome. Thank you guys so much for answering these questions so insightfully and um, letting us know exactly what NCJC Neighborhood Centers of Johnson County is all about. For our last question, we have a fun question. So this doesn't have to be related to NCJC, but it can be if you want it to. What's one thing that you thought you knew about work, life, or anything? that you were later wrong about? Well, as a parent, I would say <laughs> the older that, you know, growing up, thought you want to be grown and independent and you had answers for everything. But I think the older I get some days, I'm just like, I want to be a kid again. <laughs> I wouldn't have all the responsibilities. And so now I'm tickled with kids and like, oh, I just want to be a grown-up. Like, no, you really don't want to be a grown-up. Thanks to the kid for as long as you possibly can and embrace it. But in saying that is even the older you get, the more you realize that you still need people, no matter the age, no matter where you go in life, like you're going to meet people that are going to resemble or remind you of people that is still the best value in, in you as a young person. Um, and so no matter where you go as an adult, you're still going to run into that. And you need that. You need community. You need people. You can't do everything on your own. And I'm just blessed now to have and be surrounded by people who I can depend on to help me as well. So that's something that I pass on to kids. I'm going to piggyback off of that slightly and say, I just remember as a child or a teenager thinking that you know, once you hit your 30s, like, you know everything. And then very quickly realizing that being an adult means that you are okay with completely, like, learning new things every single day as you grow. And that's that's really what growing up is. So that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. And again, I guess just kind of piggybacking off of both of what they're saying, it's just also realizing that there's always going to be things that you have to change about yourself. Like there's always ways to improve. Like we're never, nobody's perfect. First of all, like you'll never get there. But just the fact if you're trying to be as the best person and the best version of yourself that you can be, that's all you can do. Like we can be best version and genuinely try. Don't just be that kind of person that just like, oh yeah, like just, or puts it off and, and says that they're doing all this. Like, no, actually put that work into yourself. And that's all you can do. Like, that's that's amazing already in itself. Well, awesome. Those are really insightful answers to our fun question. Um, <laughs> thank you guys once again. Thank you once again, Bea, Chastity, and Rachel Schiff. And definitely, we will be looking forward to the 50th year anniversary celebration. Thanks so much for sharing all about MCJC. Thank you so thank much you for having us. 
And that's all for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. If you're interested in connecting with NCJC, head over to ncjc.org and over to the Connect With Us tab. And there you will have options to donate or if you want to connect with them for volunteer purposes, you can reach out through the website as well. This episode was hosted and written by Amy Wu and edited and produced by Lauren Lavin. You can learn more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your colleagues, friends, or anyone interested in public health. Have a suggestion for our team? You can reach us at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode is brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Until next week, stay healthy, stay curious, and take care.